If you have your Bible, would you open it up to the book of Genesis? First book of the Bible, chapter 24. There's a little story in the book of Genesis that has always fascinated me. Dr. David Siemens was the first person that ever pointed this story out to me. And this thought that I'm going to share with you, I've shared it with staff twice before as a devotional. And I've shared it with you in the first time in a message format. So the credit for this thought goes to Dr. David Siemens. Um, my dad would always say preachers, they, they milk a lot of cows, but they churn their own butter. You know what that means? You get a lot of help from a lot of different areas, but you put it together. You know what that means, don't you, Harold? I know that. I heard an old Nazarene general superintendent sometimes says the originality is the ability to conceal your sources. But if you had to hear a sermon that was a 100% original mark, it would be a pretty boring sermon. So I'm deeply indebted to Dr. David Siemens for this thought that comes straight from Genesis chapter 24. Abraham. Abraham is the father of many nations. God made him a promise and told him he was going to be the father of many nations. Christian faith, the Muslim faith, and Jewish faith all trace their roots back to Abraham. So God has, has um, kept his promise in spades to Abraham. If Abraham would only go off and leave his country and follow him, he would become the father of many nations. And Abraham now, in Genesis chapter 24, is coming near the end of his life. His wife Sarah has died, and there is one thing that Abraham needs to do before he dies, and that's to find a wife for his son Isaac. The custom of the day was the father goes and selects the wife. I think that's a pretty good idea, to be quite honest with you. I don't much want to select the wife as I'd like to have veto power for my two boys. I'm not sure I'll get that. But it was the custom of the day. And there's another interesting principle in there. For ages and ages, marriages were arranged. And still in some parts of the country, marriages are arranged. And they worked out. Um, people can get along if you want to. Tina Turner says, what's love's got to do with it? And I, um, people should love one another, but also people can get along. If your heart is tender, your heart is open. And it's worked for ages and ages. And Abraham was just doing his job as a daddy. And so Abraham tells his servant, Eleazar. Now, servant in today's language, does that mean the same thing in their language? Servant was right-hand man. Servant was, I'm the president, my servant is the vice president. Uh, close relationship. In fact, if, the, if you did not have a male heir, all of that you lead goes to the servant. So he tells his servant, would you go find a wife for my son Isaac? And would you not find a wife among here, the Canaanites in which we live? Would you go back to my home country? And would you find a wife amongst my people? And so Eliezer is a good servant, and he takes off and gets ready to do that. And he says, well, how am I going to convince some uh, girl to come back and marry somebody that she doesn't even know? How am I going to convince some daddy to give his girl away to somebody he doesn't even know? And he said he loads up a bunch of camels with gold and silver and a bunch of stuff to be able to um, pay off, bribe, I don't know, whatever word you want to use there, to give to the dad, to give to the, um, the, the girl that he eventually selects. So he goes, here he goes out riding his camel and a whole bunch of camels behind. They're loaded down with goodies. And the text says he gets about to where he was going, and we pick it up right here. And he evidently he gets thirsty, okay? 
And before he's thirsty, he sits down by a well and he prays. He says, God, I don't know how I'm going to find this woman. Obviously, my eyes can say who has nice looks on the outside, but my eyes can't tell you who's nice on the inside. And my master needs a daughter-in-law that's nice on the outside, nice on the inside. And so he prays and says this, O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, it was the custom of the day. You didn't have UDFs and speedways and all that kind of stuff. And you had, if you, if you were traveling and were thirsty and you had to, you had to ask for water for some family's well. And that was the only way you were going to get a drink. And it was the custom. It was expected in that day and time. That was just natural. If a traveler was coming by, you would just give them a drink out of your well. That was just the expected thing of the day. It's no big deal that this girl does this because it was hospitality. They were very hospitable. They didn't have holiday inns and they didn't have uh, hotels. And you, put, you come and say, could I stay in your barn? That's the, that was the custom of the day. So here we're seeing a little bit of that play out. He says, May it be when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, which is the custom of the day. That's what's expected. And I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen. Watering of the camels would not have been expected. That is, that is a little more. Uh, it's expectation to give Eleazar a drink not to be able to give. It could be expected. Eleazar says, may I water my camels? May I use your well? That, that wouldn't have been any big deal. But for the girl to be able to water all the camels, that's a big deal. That's going above and beyond. <clears throat> and he says, by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So God, whichever girl comes up and says, yeah, I'll give you a drink, but I'll water your camels also, let that be the one. Let that be the one. I mean, we've all done stuff like that, haven't we? I mean, not in a water and camel situation. I can remember when I was in a real tough spot in my life and was uh, applying for teaching jobs, and, and I said, Lord, I, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of backstory to this, but I said, Lord, I don't know where to go, and you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know where my next place in life should be, and I was a brand new Christian. I said, Lord, I just pray that the first high school that offers me a teaching job will be the one, because I don't, you know, don't really feel like I was in a position to, to turn much down, and there's some backstory behind that I don't need to go into, but I said, well, the very first one, and the very first one was Sterling High School in Sterling, Illinois, and I, I think as I've told you before, I can now just count the reasons why Sterling High School for the next two years of my life was exactly the place I needed to be. And it was basically, I said, God, I'd, would the first place that offers me a job, would that be the place you want me to go? And it's something like what Eleazar is saying. The first girl that comes up and says, and for your camels also, let that be the girl. What do we have next? Before he finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. So there's some kind of family situation going on here. The girl was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever laid with her. 
Uh, she went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my Lord. Uh, Lord sometimes is a confusing word because we say Jesus, Lord, and Savior. Uh, Lord, with a little L, it's just like sir. So don't get all freaked out about that. It's just sir. That's all it is. He said, yes, sir. And you'll see that a lot of places in Scripture with a little L. Yes, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. On this Labor Day weekend, I want to share this thought that David Seaman shared with me many years ago concerning for your camels also. For your camels also. Rebecca did the expected. Rebecca did the custom. Rebecca did, in a sense, what was her duty. It was the tradition of the day. But she went over and above that. She went over and above that when she said, and let me water your camels also. And there seems to me to be something very godly about that. That we who claim the name of Christ, we who would call ourselves the people of God, are, are not people that just do the bare minimum, are not people that just do what is expected of us, are, 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 are not people that, that, that will go this far, but you know, the union rules say I can't go any farther. So, you know, I, I, it, it seems like us as Christian people, us as a people of God, modeled by Rebecca here, should be people that go beyond the, just the minimum. And I don't know what kind of situation, I'm not having anything in mind, whether that situation would be at work, that situation would be in your church, that situation would be in your family, that situation would be in your neighborhood, that we would be people that would live by the principle and for your camels also. That's, there seems to be something very Jesus-like about that. There seems to be something not Christ-like at all by saying, I did what I, did what I had to do and that's all I'm going to do. I did what the law says I have to do, and that's all I'm going to do. That doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't pass the Jesus test. That doesn't pass, it's not in my job description. That doesn't seem it passes the Jesus test to me, and I wonder how in your life, in whatever part of your life, does this for your camel's also type of principle how would it how would it work out jesus talked about this it's not an old testament thing rebecca puts into play what later is a new testament principle matthew chapter 5 verse 39 jesus says i tell you do not resist an evil person if someone strikes you on the right cheek turn to him the other also, these are Jesus' words, and if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And 41 says, if someone forces you to go to mile, the law said a Roman soldier could force you to carry his armor, could carry something for him, his weaponry, whatever, for one mile, and that's all you had to do. That was, that was the law of the day. Because of the Roman occupation, I could go up, as a Roman, I could go up to any, any Jewish person and say, here, carry this. And you had to carry it for a mile. 
But Jesus says, you do what is expected, but why don't you people that are wanting to be kingdom people, why don't you just go two miles? Why don't you do for your camels also? And far be it from me, and, and I just despise preaching messages that are do more and give more and pray more and do, 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 because there's no good news, there's no gospel, there's no grace and all that. But we live our lives by a certain set of principles, and there's godly principles all through the Bible, and it seems like a godly principle backed up by the words of Jesus in the Gospels is this Rebecca principle, this second mile. You know, wonder where, well, he went the second mile. You wonder, you know, you give second mile awards. Where did that come from? What's well, the biblical thing? It's a four year camels also thing. As Christians, we don't live our life by the measuring rod. Legalists do that. Legalists say, well, the Bible says that uh, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to do any more than that. The Bible says that. That's a legalist. That's a legalist. A person who lives in grace can say, um, for your camels also. A person who lives in grace can go the second mile. Person who lives in grace doesn't just draw the line and says, "Well, yeah, the job description, union rules." Well, if my wife would do this for me, then I'll do that for her. How how would our marriages change if both parties would put in for your camels also? How would our marriages change if both parties would be for your camels also type of people? Not just 50-50. The name Danny Thomas means nothing to, to our young people here, but some of us remember the comedian Danny Thomas, and Danny Thomas says, whoever said marriage was 50-50 doesn't know anything about fractions or marriage. Some of us have learned that marriage is like 110, 110. <laughs> For your camels also. As Christians, our life is not measured by the measuring rod. I'll go this further. And I don't know how this works in your life. I have nothing at all in mind, but I'm just saying here, there's a principle here in the Old Testament that get back up in the New Testament by Jesus, so there must be something to his to this. This is not an isolated story in the Old Testament. And so I'm asking the Holy Spirit to bring into my mind, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit this week to bring into your mind for your camels also. Our lives are not lived by the measuring rod, either the long end of that, that's as far as I will will go. Or even the short end of that. Do I have Luke 16, 10 up here? Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Well, you know, 
when I get to be up on the platform like Brannon and have a, have a position that everybody's looking at me, then I'll become, you know, this for your camels also type of person. You know, what I do is really insignificant and no one really notices and it's behind the scenes. And what Jesus says, if you're for your camels also type of person when you're behind the scenes and no one notices maybe then you'll be trusted with more. So it's not the, either the long end or the short end of the measuring rod that we as Christians really don't measure ourselves by. So what's the Spirit saying to you right now? This Old Testament principle that shows up in the New Testament in Jesus' words. You know, there's something, it's not written right in the text, but it, I think it's common sense that you have to be between the lines and it's common sense, and if it's not, you call me on it afterwards because I don't want to add anything to the text. But it seems like if, if you go the second mile, going the second mile doesn't mean anything unless you've gone the first mile well. There's no second mile to go unless I've done a good job on the first mile. I'm going to try to be a for your camels also person to my wife, but I ha if I haven't done what has been expected in my marriage, man, I, it's not going to be received well because I don't even do what I'm supposed to do, but all of a sudden I'm going to go above and beyond. It doesn't make any sense. So this second mile type of stuff only works if I've done a good job on the first mile. And on this Labor Day weekend... Those of us who labor in all you do, Colossians chapter 3 says, in all you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In all you do. I wonder at work how much more evangelistic someone may be, may guide more people to Jesus if they were just a better employee. Not even anything coming out of their mouth, any track being handed out or anything like that. If they were just, did a good job on the first mile and then they could go. My dad worked for Kroger Company all of his life. He took early retirement at 55 and pastored for the last 10 years. And my dad worked in the meat department. He was a meat cutter. He was a butcher. And if you've ever been back in the meat department of a, any grocery store, it's about 45 degrees back there to keep the meat cool. And dad worked in that all of his life. I worked with him for three and a half years at the same store. I never, I never once saw dad take a 16-minute break for his 15-minute break. I never once saw that. I never, never once saw my dad punch in at 7.01 when he's supposed to be there at 7, like the rest of us did. And when my dad were alive here today, he would tell you he, he, he was not trying to impress his boss as much as he was trying to impress his boss. That dad worked that way because he felt like it was an outlet of his Christianity. Because in all things, do in the name of the Lord Jesus.
So as Christians, this second mile principle, this for your camels also principle, this whatever you want to call it, Rebecca principle, whatever you want to call it, teaches us as Christians, we just don't say, well, this is as far as, you know, my paycheck this week is, is $59.80, so my tithe is it's five hundred and ninety dollars and eighty cents, so my tithe is fifty nine dollars and eight cents. Because that's ten percent. That's what you know. We as Christians just write it for sixty, sixty one, sixty. I mean it's just it's not by the law. Jesus was not never a letter of the law type of person. Never. Never. He was always a spirit of the thing. Um, when, you, when you are for your camels also type of person, you put yourself in a position to receive more than you could ever dream receiving. Rebecca had no clue when she, I, 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 I feel certain in saying this. I mean, I know I'm reading into the text again, but I feel certain. Rebecca, as she was filling those jars for the camels, had no clue that she was putting herself in line because she was going to be the the wife of Isaac, the granddaughter-in-law of Abraham. She had no clue that she was going to be a great, 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 a lot of greats grandmother of Jesus Christ. She had no clue. It isn't that the way God works, kind of, you know? It's not like, it's just when we do stuff and just because we're Christians. And, and I didn't, Jesus said, you know, I know you didn't know that you were giving me drink when I was thirsty and, or you were giving me clothing. I know you didn't know that, but, you, but see, you did a little more. And so come on into my heaven. Matthew chapter whatever that is. Luke 6, 38, do we have that passage of Scripture up here? These are Jesus' words. Give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So give, and it will be given to you, pressed down. All right, we've all didn't want to take the garbage out, so we pressed it down, didn't we? <laughs> Press down. Shake it so you can get a little more in there. We'll be given back to you. There's a principle here. That when you give, and when you're a four-year camels type of person, a second-mile type of person, whatever you want to call this, you're going to receive much more than you've ever given. What, what's the old thing you've heard preachers say? You can't outgive God. <laughs> You can't outgive God. So I was encouraging us on this Labor Day weekend in all facets of our life to start thinking about this for your camels also type of thing. We got so many people around church that... uh, are for your camels also type of people, so many. And when I name one, I leave, you know, 17 out or whatever. But Earl Newton is that type of person. 
And if you don't know Earl, it's your loss. But Earl's always there with the teens, Wednesday nights, laying mulch out there to make the area walking in the community center better, trying to keep the weeds out of that one area over there. It's just... Drove by, drove by the other day and... You know, he'll be mad at me for saying it, but I'm just going to use it. I drove by the other day out here, and there was Mike Neal out trimming the hedges on our medical building that we own across the street, you know? No big deal. But not expected. For your camels also. And, 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 and nobody, nobody waves banners and blows trumpets when they do that kind of stuff because Jesus says, don't... You know, when you give, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It just, it's just natural to you. So, I finished this morning by, by, by challenging me and challenging all of us. I mean, in your, in your marriage, in your family, in your employment. You know what Chick-fil-A does so well? You know why Chick-fil-A is the number one per capita fast food restaurant in, in the United States, even though they don't open on Sunday? Per capita, per unit. It's because they're four-year camels also type of place. I, the, the, before we moved to Xenia, the, the Chick-fil-A I frequented was over in, um, across from Dayton Mall there. And um, Marla was the owner. And, and ever, you know, I'd walk in there, and, and she's, she's got little... Uh, flowers on all the fast food tables. You know, I'm lucky if I go to McDonald's and there's not crumbs all over the place, right? Marla will frequently be there and she'll be open. And nobody opening the door for the guests. Nobody opens the door for me at Taco Bell. Marla pays someone to be able to go out into the lobby and say, could I fill up your drink for you? I have to do that myself at McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's and I'm not putting down any of those people. I'm just saying that this company, which just so happens to be a deeply Christian company, you go to their corporate headquarters in Atlanta and see a bronze plaque outside as you walk in the front door that says the mission of this, country is to glor- of this company is to glorify God. They are fabulously successful, and they're a four-year camels also. If you want to start, if somebody here is getting, getting this big idea to start a business, you, 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 your chances of success are so much greater if you are for your camels also type of business. If you're an employee and you want to get a raise, your chances of getting raised are so much better if you are for your camels also type of employee. If you're a Christian and you want to be salt and light in the workplace, your chances of it are so much greater if you're a for your camels also type of employee. If you're a parent and you messed up in the past, you're trying to regain respect in the eyes of your kids or whatever, you're, you're so much easier to do that if you're a more than expected for your camels also. So I, I just feel like God wanted me to come on this Labor Day weekend and just, and just be able to pull an Old Testament story 
and show you how it's a New Testament principle that as Christians, as the people of God, something should ring in our minds. And th this would drive me nuts. I mean, you, you can't get all bent out of shape about this because, I mean, if, if I'm always trying to go over and above and every single thing, I'm just, I'm just going nuts. I'm going crazy, okay? You have to wait until the sweet, still, little, small voice says to you, for your camels also, Mark. Now, let me tell you a little stupid way this worked out in my life this week as I was preparing. <laughs> I was getting ready to come to office one day this week, and you're all going to think this is horrible, but it's, it's this, Mark. And, and so I grabbed, I was getting ready and shaved or something, and then I pulled a Q-tip out and cleaned my ears, and I, so I reached around to throw that Q-tip in the trash can, and I threw it, and I missed. Now, how many of you guys have missed the trash can before and didn't pick it up? <laughs> now, as soon as I missed that trash can... You know what was in my spirit? Leave it. You know, as when, you know when, when Sue empties the trash, she'll pick it up. <laughs> I told you you wouldn't like it when I said it. <laughs> but that's just how much of a sinner I am. I mean, but then something within my mind that just said, I didn't hear a voice, I didn't hear anything that said, you know, Mark, you can't go the second mile unless you do the first mile right. I don't know how you will hear that still little small voice this week. And you won't hear like a big voice. It won't be handwriting on the wall. It won't be thunder and lightning. And you won't even hear anything. It'll just kind of be in you. It's weird, is it? And you'll just, you'll just know that God has spoken to you. You didn't hear it, but you'll just know he has. And in something, he'll say, and for your camels also. for your camels also. And then you have the opportunity to not only be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word as well. Let's pray. Father God, there is so much application to this teaching today. So much application. And I just pray um, that we'll be sensitive enough to your spirit that when you do prod us and push us this week on for your camels also, we'll hear it and we'll follow through. And maybe if I do it today, it'll be easier to do it tomorrow and easier to do it the next day. And it just becomes a part of me that I'm just not a guy that does my duty or what is expected or just the minimum to get by, but I'm a guy who's for your camels also. And we would be a church that would be like that. And we would be Christians that would be like that. And we would be husbands and wives that would be like that. And parents that would be like that. And kids that would be like that. And employees that would be like that. Employers that would be like that. Students that would be like that. So I just pray you take this, this just real simple little teaching from the Old Testament, but reiterated by Jesus in the New Testament. And let us incorporate it into our lives so we'll be people who scatter 
better. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me say, let me say one, one more minute here. I said that you can't go second mile unless you go on the first. Well, there's a biblical principle that backs that up, if you think about it. Jesus died on the cross, but that death would have meant nothing if he hadn't lived his life well. If he had lived his life like a sinner, like all of us, he couldn't have died for his own sin, not even counting you and me. So if you think about it a little bit theologically, the cross of Christ means nothing without the life of Christ. If he had not lived that perfect sinless life, he couldn't have died for his own sins. Nevertheless, our sins. Second mile comes after a good job on the first mile.